Hey, Josh. <sighs> what the hell do you want? <laughs> See, I'm funny. <laughs> now I can't remember the joke. Why did the... <laughs> Why can't I remember it? Holy cow. Why... <laughs> I hope you're recording this. Just just air that. Just air that. <laughs> Why did the man put his money in the freezer? Because what? He, were you actually like trying to try oh, it? Yes, <laughs> it was. That's what you do when you ask it's questions. It's not a trivia question. It's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> because he needed cold, hard cash. <laughs> okay. You're, you're banned from Joke Central. <laughs> well, it's because you cut off my research early. <laughs> That's funny. I'm Josh Sigmund, and I'm a mortgage lender. I'm also a geek for money, not just earning it and saving it, but literally everything about it. I love that money has rules. It has its truths. I love investment strategies, and I love making money work for us. For so many, money is emotional. For me, it's logical, like a puzzle. My passion is also helping others with their money. I love looking at people's finances, dissecting their puzzle, and rebuilding with strategy and purpose, and I'm really good at it. I'm making this podcast about my money strategies, not the things that are written in books or sold in programs. It's a podcast outlining the lessons I've learned and used for the past 15 years. These strategies help me and those who use them save more, give more, create wealth, and retire early. Let me teach you how to build your net worth. You ready? Welcome to Sigmund Sense. All right, what do you want to talk about today, Brittany? I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about from a business perspective, profit and loss. Okay. I want to talk about investing in your business. Okay. And whether that looks like hiring a new staff or investing in a new software or program. Okay. Because I feel like you are, no, I don't feel like I know for a fact you're very good in this area and specifically around hiring. I mean, you did make the choice to hire me and that was fabulous. <laughs> um, no, you're really quick to, not quick to hire. You, um, you are willing to hire and invest in the team much earlier than a lot of other business people that I see. Okay. And I know that if it was me, I would probably fall on the other side of the line as well because I because it's nerve-wracking to to hire somebody and have that fixed overhead. It's a responsibility. It's a responsibility. It's very scary. And so I think a lot of people, it stops them in the tracks right there. Sure. And I would, you know, it's the mentality is I can do this all by myself. So why why take on the additional overhead? Right. Yeah. Um but obviously we know that everybody that everybody has a max capacity of what they can do. So it truly limits your growth and it limits your, um, the, what you are able to do, um, as far as production or whatever. So I think it's worth talking about because I want to know, is it, are you good at hiring and confident hiring mm -hmm. because of budgeting and because you're strategic and, um, really in tune with the money side and the, in the P and L that it allows you to make those decisions because the money is there, or is it more of a business approach that it is, it's part of the strategy and it's part of the, it. it's part of the growth. Right. So, um, 
So I really just want to kind of talk through that. And yeah. I think, you know, one thing we hear all the time is so many people don't run a PL mm-hmm. for their businesses. And so I think we should also talk through what basic PLs look like and how to do them. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and one thing we always talk about is, you know, <clears throat> when people go into business for themselves, it's usually because they have a passion of some kind, right? The chef that loves to cook opens a restaurant. The decorator that, you know, is has such a talent for interior design opens an interior design business. Right. Um, things like that. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they're sound business people or understand the time, PLs. Yeah. Yep. And so I think first and foremost, it's like it it's being okay with that. Because yeah. I think a lot of people um get embarrassed about that. Sure. And so sure. just kind of laying it on the table that it's okay and running through some just very, um, just some simple, like, how do you do it? How do you do a PL? Well, we did a PL class in general. So you can look at it. We can go back to that for reference, but, um, not a, not an episode, like a class class. Yeah. I thought we, yeah, I did when I was by myself without you. That one wasn't about PL, was mm-hmm. it? Yeah. I think so. Uh, I don't believe so, but okay. But that's okay. Of course um, we did. Just kidding. But I think, it's a, right. I think it's an interesting conversation <laughs> as a whole. Yeah. Um, and I think my answers have probably changed over 16, 18 years. <laughs> you struggling there, kiddo? <laughs> I'm stuck. I'm stuck in the in the carpet. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. That's embarrassing. <laughs> oh, it is embarrassing. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about this. So I, I think that I think that the uh, I mean you had forty questions in there, so I think it's fun <laughs> to talk about. Um, you know, uh, the let's start with the when, why to hire, things like that. Like why I might be more willing to hire people, and some people might be more conservative. Um, you know, I think it starts with w- deciding what it is you want your business to look like, right? I don't think people take the time to work on their business, not in their business, right? So I think that you have to first decide what it is that you want. Um, you know, there there are people that want to stay small, mm-hmm. and that's awesome. <laughs> if they want to stay small, um, you know, you have to realize that uh, you are the everything piece of the business. You know, if it's you by yourself or you plus one assistant, it is a easy. It's certainly easier to manage. There's certainly um, more flexibility, right? Uh, but all lines lead to you, right? And so that means that you've got to be the you know the supplier. You've got to be the the service person, the, the the director of first impressions, the CEO, the CFO, the COO, the everything to everybody. And um, for there's me, also no backup too. I think you know, there's that's... Very, none or little. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so what are the pros and cons? I think the, the pros are that, you know, uh, small organizations are definitely more nimble. So you can change on a dime. Why? You just make it your own damn decision and do something different. Like I want this color of shirt and that's the end of it, right? Mm-hmm. I want to change my brand. That's the end of it. So now uh, they're definitely more nimble. Um, they are, uh, if, again, it depends on the industry, but small can be very profitable because mm-hmm. you don't have lots of overhead because you can work out of your home office. Uh, as an example, you don't have to employ people. You don't have the extra taxations, things like that. Um, there's certainly less quote unquote pain in the ass factor of managing people because more people, more problems. I mean, for sure. Um, so there, there is that. And then, um, you know, I think that there is something as a pro that the, the person, to person business, the people, to people business of, you know, whoever you're working with, they are the boss. 
it's nice to work with the boss, right? So there are definitely some pros to it. Uh, I think that on top of that, the risks are lower in some ways, in some ways, but not all. Uh, meaning that, you know, if if you have a budget at all and you have any reserves at all and you're by yourself and you go a month without a paycheck, no one lost their job. Right. Right. Whereas when you, the more people you have, the more paychecks and responsibility you have to pay them. Like I'm not very aware of very many salaried people that are okay with being a few days <laughs> yeah. late on the 15th. Right. Like, I was expecting my paycheck on the 15th, but I know the company's not doing well. So just how about why just pay me on when, yeah. at the end of the month whenever you feel like it? Like that doesn't work that way. So uh, I think that that's, uh, that's definitely a piece of it for sure. It's just That's it's what easier. I hear most often, yeah. honestly, is... I am so nervous to bring someone on because yeah. of the responsibility. And what if I can't pay them? Yeah. That is the, that's what I hear yeah, I think most good. often. I think that's really good to understand. Um, what I will tell you, uh, the, the cons are there's absolute limited capacity for mm -hmm. an individual or totally. small team or small company. There's absolute limited capacity. Uh, you can only, whatever, you know, if you're a realtor, as an example, you might be able to sell five or 10 homes. It, 10 would be crazy, but in a Oof. month. Yeah. by yourself, but you'd hate yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but it'd be very profitable, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so that you, and, and, and you, you wouldn't have, have any time to spend it. So you just save it all. Well, and <laughs> think about vacations too. You know, when you're gone, right. the business is closed. Exactly. So, so there, there's a limit capacity. Uh, all lines lead to you. There is no IT department to fix your problems when your computer doesn't work. Like it just, yeah. to me, is not what I want. Right. So the other end of the spectrum is you decide. Did you that, always know that though? Or I don't think so. I think intuitively, and I got some good uh, good guidance along the way that at some point, you know, you have to be okay with having zero personal balance in life. Like, you know, work 90 hours a week if you want to keep growing, if you want to grow business in general. Uh, I do think a good concept to remember is that your business is either growing or dying. There is no standing on the pinnacle. So, you know, you can't just sit back in your laurels and expect it to go fine forever. You always have to be growing at some point. So, the the growth and the reinvention requires extra time, energy, and effort, and it's going to come from you and your uh, your forty hour work week just became eighty, or you need help. Mm -hmm. At some point, I think that we all have to come to that conclusion. So, so when you started in lending, the 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 plan wasn't I'm going to get I'm going to become a lender and no. grow a team. No, I think, no, it was. I think for most people, you know, I was twenty three years old or whatever. I think for most people, it's like get a job and like pay the bills. Yeah. You know, at, at the at the beginning, it's just like anything else. It's just, I need to pay bills. I think this is interesting. I'll start it. Um, but it goes back to, you know, what are you doing every day, right? Like, are you, are you working for a paycheck? Or are you enjoying growing something, right? Mm -hmm. And so when okay. it comes to uh, an owner position where you might hire or you might not hire, I think when you look at most businesses that never, ever take the leap of faith of hiring somebody, um, you can see that there's a really dramatic kind of up and down cycle uh, annually. So the reason why is I was taught that there's three parts of business. There's marketing, operations, mm -hmm. and finance. And uh, when you think about what the first problem is when you first get into business, the first problem is I have no revenue. I've not. I've got. I've sold nothing. Right. <laughs> right. So. The, the it's kind problem, of all, they're all right. problems. I have no right. no processes and procedures. Right. I have no business and no money. Yeah, but day, day one, <laughs> who cares about process and procedures if you have nothing to work on, right? right. So, or, or if you haven't sold anything, you don't have any logistical <laughs> supply chain issues if you haven't sold anything yet, right? Yeah. So the, the first problem is money, like day one, minute one of any new job, new business, I should say, the problem is money. So the, the, the solution 
is to market. The solution is to move product, right? Uh, so whether that's a, a tangible item uh, or a service item, the, the, you've got to sell something. And so that's a marketing uh, issue. So what, you, what people tend to do is they'll work on that wholeheartedly. So whether the, they're the salesperson or whether they're mm -hmm. putting stuff on the internet or whether they're you know trying to market things so, through social media, they're marketing. Mm -hmm. And so they market, 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 market. And it turns out that most people that are any good at this at all they sell something. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Uh, family activity and friends. breeds activity. Yeah, family and friends first, and then sphere mm -hmm. of influence, and it keeps on going. And all of a sudden, you've got uh, you've got a, it seems like a business. Yeah. Because now you've got some uh, revenue coming in, and so what ends up happening is that creates an operational issue. The more you, uh, the more product that's moving, uh, or service that's being sold, the more of a logistical operational issue it becomes. And so, what the typical sole proprietor does is they stop marketing yeah, because they've got to take care of these little golden eggs. They got to make sure they hatch. Mm -hmm. And so whether I've got to send this thing to Denver or I've got to close this loan in my case or whatever, now they're solely focused on getting the product to the finish line, right? Yeah. And so they're doing that all the time. Uh, and what ends up happening is that creates another problem, right? Because as we you know, as we go to mark uh, operations, there really is only one way to fix operations, uh, and that is to hire somebody to help with operations. Help with operations. Which creates a finance issue. issue. <laughs> and the only way to fix a finance issue is to go back into marketing, okay? Right. Well, if you never take that leap of faith of, I marketed well, I got lots of stuff in the business, mm -hmm. and now I'm stopping and doing it, that's why you have to start stop because you actually go backwards, don't go forward. So you're just jumping back and forth between marketing operations, marketing operations, marketing operations, marketing operations. So you never the, turn so this the corner. Just like popped into my head, but this is probably where the fear of I'm not going to have enough money, money to, for sure, or skill to hire set someone. Or because it, if they're feeling that start and stop, they're mm -hmm. feeling the inconsistency yep. in a business, yep. and so that's going to translate to. Oh my gosh. Well, if I have these inconsistencies by myself, what happens if I bring someone along for the ride? Yep. But it's counterintuitive yep. because it's that the person, the hire will hopefully fix some of those issues that will keep you in a marketing phase more consistently yep. or the to hire. Me, will a, the to me, it's a super e easy equation. You know, if you hire somebody 40 hours a week and they take, so let's say that you're that sole proprietor that markets really, really well and brings business in. And now you hire somebody to do the operations and your 40 hours a week had gone to 80 hours a week. So now you're back to 40 hours a week. The question is, what do you do with your time? Right. That's the question. Right. So if you spend that extra time marketing more, more. you will be less inconsistent as you were in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, or you will you you can literally buy your time back, right? So to me, the first hire is, you know, do you just want to work your normal 40 hours a week and need somebody to help you with the transactional side of things so you can do the the front side of things? Um, or does it give you more time to do more of the dollar generating activities? And for me, this is just a reminder about red time and green time. You know, red time is non-dollar productive activities. Green time is dollar productive activities. And the whole focus point for us always has to be in a, as, as business people is to stay focused on dollar productive activities. So mm -hmm. that's forward looking conversations about prospecting conversations in relationships, that conversation with new opportunities. Um, that's dollar productive activities. Now, getting the job done 
is believe it or not is not a dollar productive activity. We still have to, mm-hmm. you know, in in lending, you still have to order appraisals and surveys and title and insurance and gather docs and all that stuff, which is important, but it's not actually green time, right? right? So if you can hire somebody to do that, you know, that is a lower dollar productive activity. It's important, but it's it's a lower dollar productive activity. So if I can have somebody do that for me and I can go create a higher dollar productive activity with that time I freed up, then the business makes more money to pay for that person and to allow me to keep on growing, right? So it doesn't, so if you're the owner that really doesn't want to be a salesperson or if you're, mm-hmm. you don't want to be the person that's mm-hmm. bringing in business, mm-hmm. then what are other like what are some good swap outs for that person, right? So let's say I'm the oh, owner that there's a million and one ways to generate. You're in marketing yourself, so you get it. But uh, you know, obviously, this day and age, social media. But this uh, is the owner that doesn't want to do that, though. Yeah. Like, so well, you can outsource those things, right? You can, so, so what would a dollar productive? So let's say I'm the owner that doesn't have any interest in bringing in the business anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to like hire that off. Mm-hmm. Then, but. I st- I need to replace my time with good dollar pr- productive activities. Mm-hmm. So what? And what does that look likes like? The operation side. Yeah, likes more than likely side. they never get off the ground. Oh, okay. More really? than likely they never get off the ground. Hmm. It, it, you it, think for sure. It, it requires sales to grow businesses. It requires selling something to but grow businesses. But if you can hire right? somebody to do that. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, so. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that it's not possible. I'm saying more often than not, there's a lot of people, a lot of inventors that have great ideas yeah, and they can't sell shit. Mm-hmm. And so it never gets off the ground. You know, there's a whole lot of that in the world. There's a lot of yeah. uh, of kids that are master programmers that, that can talk to computers and can't talk to people. And because <laughs> they can't talk to people, their ideas never get off the ground, right? And so my point in saying this is, is that... Um, you're not likely going to have a small single proprietor business ever that is somebody that's got a great idea that doesn't want to grow and won't hire, right? Because we're talking about the first one first. It's the sole proprietor. Yeah. Another way to think about this is um, doctors. I think doctors is a great one, right? You, you've got a... a I lo- yes. The, you yeah, got a, you got a, a single practice, mm-hmm. you know, you a, a sole practitioner, um, you know, the doctor that has his own office, his own office staff, that has his own clientele. And that's awesome, mm-hmm. right? When the doctor dies, th- there is no business because the business dies with the doctor. It's yeah. a sole proprietorship, right? Um, a hospital has lots of doctors. Right. And, well, so and the, within what, the office setting too, the 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 doctor can only see so many patients. Like there is such a, well, it goes such back a, to it. it's such a cap, you know? Well, and, and again, if somebody's vision is, is that that's what they want, it's not a bad thing, right? Like, uh, if they just want to be a small town doctor and have relationships with their hundred uh, patients, two hundred patients that come through the doors, that's awesome. Uh, it's still it it will pay bills. Mm-hmm. It is not a sellable business. Not a sellable business. Yeah. Uh, because when the doctor is out, the doctor is out. Correct. When the doctor dies, the doctor dies. Right. And you compare that to again with what you want. Do you want a hospital? And the hospital has lots of doctors. Mm-hmm. And if a do- if a doctor dies, retires, or moves. The hospital is going to be just fine, right? So you have to first identify what you want. But my point is, is that uh, the only operational type of sole proprietorship that kind of works, in my opinion, is where the product is so desirable, where the service is so desirable that people come to you, right? Uh, that typically comes to the 
in the service industry, it's the buy referral only kind of thought process. Right. Um, you know, I think that's a trademarked idea. It's not not an original statement, but yeah. the buy referral only concept is that I take such good care of you because I'm by myself and you know I'm help you do whatever I need, uh, whatever I sell as a service mm-hmm. that you refer your three friends. So I don't have to be a great salesperson. Right. All I got to do is do what I do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that works if you do an exceptional job. If you're the plus one percent, if you're the raving fan mentality, um, you can do that indefinitely. And that's the story of most realtors, as an example. You know, most realtors. Good you know, point. Good is, point. Yeah. Is a sole proprietor that. They live and die based on their own reputation. They live and die based on their own service levels, their own ability to call people back. And they don't have to be a, a great salesperson over time as long as they they are great at the service they mm-hmm. give to the few clients that they had right. that those people advertise for them. Advertise for, yeah. So that's a, an example of, of how that works is a, a great realtor is worth the weight in gold. Like somebody that actually knows the values, actually knows the process, yeah. actually right. knows how to fix the problems. <laughs> All those things yeah. is absolutely worth the weight in gold, and they'll get those referrals. Um, but the flip side is pushing tangible products. Um, you know, small business out of the out of the basement, it doesn't get off the ground if you can't sell if it. If you can't sell it, which goes back to you, you got to have a marketing strategy of some mm-hmm. sort, right? So I think that gets a little bit off off task, just a tad. But but, but I think it's worth talking about yeah, because totally. the, the the I think your question was well how do you know when you should or how you should and does P and L help you and and money help mm-hmm. you and the answer is yes of course it does and to me it's three or four well thought out ideas make a, uh, it's funny the emotional side go away right we always talk about money is emotional yes. so if the if somebody that's listening to this if the fear of of hiring somebody is tied to the money side of it then the three or four steps I'll give you right now really will help you. It's what I think about. It's the first thing is, is that I want to be really clear about um, what I free up or what I don't have to do if I hire somebody, right? Because again, all of us have dollar uh, different dollar activities mm-hmm. that we do every day. Some that are menial, some that are super important. Um, but so I want to make sure that whatever I'm offloading allows me to free up the time to do something uh, higher dollar productive activity with, right? Yes. And then I know we've talked about this before too, is, um, when you are feeling really overwhelmed and stressed and you don't have enough time in the day and you're considering making mm-hmm. a hire is right. Keeping an ongoing list yeah. like on your desk yep. with well, you. Also your calendar. So- like I used to track before I hired my first assistant ever, uh, and a, what I did is every half hour on the half hour, I literally wrote down what it was. I did all that half hour. Right. And, I, and it, so it really came way- down to three things. Did I like it? Yes or no. <laughs> Did I need to do it? Yes or no. And could somebody else do this? Yes or no. So that do I it. like it? Yeah. Do, did do I, I like, like do it? I like it? Cause I want to do stuff I like all day long. Right. Do I need to do it? Like because, you personally, yes, you because there's be certain the things right. that I need to do that I can't offload. So is it a you thing? Yeah. Or, and so is this, is this something else I could teach somebody else to do? Somebody else could do for me. Yes or no questions. And right? most of the most of the time, most of the time, everything that can makes be it a logical question. It removes the motion. That's why I always did that. Yeah. So I used to write those down, and then the first hire I ever had was I literally sat there with the highlighter, and every time that the last thirty minutes was something I didn't like to do, and something I didn't need to do, and something that I could hire out, I would highlight it, which equated like 80 percent of my calendar. Which, wow. by the way, anyone that's listening, that is the truth. Wow. Of a, so like eighty percent 
didn't fall on the I like I need to and is not somebody somebody else could do as good or or better than me, right? That is a huge that I mean, that's such a big deal because I it, I think that we truth. all it is the truth and we do get caught up yeah. in I have to be the one that that yeah. does this. I hear this a lot with real estate agents. I have to be the one that takes care of these clients. I have to. I have to be the one that is showing up at this inspection, this yeah. whatever. You know, there's a lot of examples. Um it's just but not the truth. It's, it's, just a, it's, not a, the, it's, a, it's the truth we tell ourselves, but it's not the truth. There's a big difference, right? So, and why? so let me give you an example. I wonder why that is. Is it like a, like a security thing? Like, makes me feel good to know that I have to be the one that does uh, this? There's some ego that comes with it, number one. Uh, number two, some of it, it comes from our parents, where if, you, if, you're gonna, if it's going to be done right, it's got to be done by you. Yeah. Right. Uh, number three is the a relational thing. Like, we feel, you feel like you can't hand something off. Because then you're handing off a relationship, um, which are just not all the case. It's just how you do it. And it goes back to operational consistency and proven concepts. But um, let me just give you like a normal realtor's day uh, because this will paint the picture for a lot of listeners. Uh, A normal realtor should spend some time on the phone calling prospective uh, listings or buyers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very little. I coach realtors nationwide. So I know very little time of every day. Less than an hour is actually devoted to that for most agents. And I would say less than an hour a week is actually devoted to that. Yeah. Um, second thing that you've got to do is that you've got to service your existing clientele. So this means that if you're working with buyers, you've got to go show properties, which takes a tremendous amount of time. You know, if you're going to look at, you know, eight properties with this buyer in the morning and eight properties with this buyer in the afternoon, yeah. it seems like you've had a great sales day. But the truth of the matter is, is that those four hours might equate yeah. to one sale, maybe. And you literally can't um, do anything else. And you can't that do anything time. else, right? Because your undivided time. attention. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Um, third thing that has to happen is the paperwork, right? So uh, for the clients that are in process, you've got to manage timelines, getting inspections done, getting surveys ordered, getting title company stuff taken care of, uh, uh, making sure you cross the T's and I's with the legal documents and contracts you do. So there's lots of paperwork there. Uh, lots of realtors like to do the the touch points at the end. So they like to do thank you cards or they'll do a gift possibly at closing, something like that, which takes time to go find the gift, bring the, buy the gift, bring the gift, right? Uh, they've got to go to closings. So, yeah. you know, most realtors will show up at a closing table to make sure that it was done right. Last opportunity to talk to a client. Um, and that, that's all stuff that falls into a normal day, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so what of that entire day would I... I consider green time uh, like an hour yeah, the of calls. the entire day. And here's what that looks like. The couple the calls, calls or writing a contract with the buyer if you they find write it, the, if they write it. Right. So not the showing, not the paperwork, yeah. not the letters, not the gifting, not the returning calls, not any of the stuff that has to be done. Right. But the only thing that really falls into green time in those examples is did you make outbound calls to solicit new business? Number one. And number two, did you sign a contract? Mm -hmm. Sign it. Like, did you get them to make an offer, right? Uh, Because you can't make money showing properties. Mm -hmm. You can make money if a contract's accepted. So if you think of it in terms of that, then you say, okay, well, uh, if I go down my list of, do I like doing it? Uh, Do I have to do it? And this is something that's hireable. I would argue everything else on the list is falls into, I could train somebody else to do it. I don't love it. Some agents do love showing properties. That's okay. Yeah, for um, sure. I think I think there's a lot. That there's do. a lot that do. Um, doesn't mean you have to do it because you don't have to do it. That's why there's something called showing. Which agents. I think that people. I mean, that will be 
a huge, uh, argue, not, not a negative argument, yeah. but that's, I mean, we get a lot of pushback on that is, sure. you know, the idea of somebody else showing your clients yep. and, um, yeah, it makes some realtors very, very uncomfortable. Um, well, you can, you can, you can be uncomfortable or you can grow your business, you know, like if it's again, going back to, if that's what you, if that's what you want, want. that's exactly right. Yeah. So, so to me, then if I was a realtor, I would say within the first year that I would hire somebody or two people to do all the other stuff that I don't like to or have to do. And I would try my best to put myself at the point of sale and marketing all the time. Um, that's as simple. What as if you don't have the gets. money for it though? Or what kind of, well, I mean, then, so is this a, is this, do you go back to the six months of reserve in the bank before no, you make um, a hire or? Yeah, we're skipping ahead a little bit. I think that, uh, you know, like I said, the first thing is identifying what it is you're doing. So what are you hiring for? That's yeah. the first step. The second thing would be what the metrics are, right? So uh, this is what I think I want them to do with it. But what are the top three job duties and how do I measure that person is something that most starting off businesses do very poorly. Mm -hmm. uh, they hire people with slash job duties. Mm. You are my assistant slash marketing rep slash... Nah. The worst. Uh, door opener slash yeah. slash 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 yeah. and because uh, you are the one person in the world that is talented at every area yes. of the business right <laughs> which doesn't exist because doesn't exist. you couldn't do it by right. yourself exactly. so don't expect somebody else to, to be able to do it yeah. by themselves and so so if they're going to drop the ball because you asked them to do so much stuff you just have to make sure they're not dropping the ball on the three most or four most mm -hmm. important things to do every day right so creating some sort of metrics around are super important the third thing is, is that if I hired this person, I think about what is the best case and worst case scenario. I always think about what's, yeah. what's the best case. This also applies to if I'm going to take on a new software, uh, something you'd ask about, or if I'm going to start this new marketing endeavor, or if I'm going to rent this office out. <laughs> like, what are all the yeah. best cases and worst cases that you think about? Uh, what I've found for myself first, and I've learned over time, so now I've gone the opposite way, is I find that most entrepreneurs are super optimistic. So the best case is for sure going to happen and they don't overthink, they, they, they don't really give the worst case a real That's thought. so often. It's, it's the so truth. Often. Right? It'll never, like worst case scenarios, I'll stop doing it. No, worst case scenario is you lost your ass and spent 60,000 bucks this year that you could have had in your pocket, right? Or severed a relationship. I always think about that is what, how, how does this, you know, going back to how does this end? How do we get out of this? Yep. Peacefully. Clean amicably and that it's not going to tarnish our reputations. And, yep. you know, that's, um, that's so important to think about, yep. you know, and there are definitely some things that it's like, if we would have thought about that first, yep. it would have been a huge, like glaring do not pass go because there's only one way out of this and it's going to be real painful yep. for everyone yep. involved. That's exactly right. Um, the third thing is, is that now you figured out what this person's going to do and how you're going to measure it. One of the, the next biggest mistakes people make is they don't really understand what that position is worth. So compensation itself is a big issue in this is properly and properly hiring somebody. Right. This is, and you know, I I have to say it. I feel like it has to stem from just how freaking expensive life is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's really expensive to live, mm -hmm. really expensive to live. And so, you know, I think people 
one, it comes from a place of need. And two, if they're, if they're talented or good at this position, then it automatically, the, the connection is that it's worth, so I'm worth so much more because I'm good. Yep. When in, at the end of the day, it's still the same job. job. Yep. It's great that you're good at it. Yep. That's important, but it's still the same set of tasks and yep. job duties. Yeah, and, and this this actually becomes a reason why people get burned and they they, they hired somebody one time, they either mm -hmm. mishired, they quickly hired the wrong person, they overpaid the position, they didn't give really clear job duties, they didn't have really good measuring points, and so they end up, it didn't work out and they fire them or mm -hmm. the person quits most of the time. Yeah. And, uh, and then the answer that you tell yourself internally is, uh, I need to just do this by myself. I, you know, I can't, I can't hire somebody and it's just, no, no, you just didn't think out everything up front. So, you know, example is, uh, I'm trying to think, you know, of, one I've heard a couple of times yeah. too, and, um, I'm not going to lie. I've definitely thought, had these thoughts occasionally from time to time is I can't give them what they want. I can't give them what they want long term. I, the, there's no way that they'll stay with me because their dreams are too big. They're, um, and, and I can't, I can't fulfill that, which is really interesting. Really, really interesting. Um, I just had that conversation with a couple of people last week hmm. and you know, it's like, well, I wouldn't hire that. Uh, we were talking about the disc personality profiling and, um, you know, I, I don't think that I could, I don't think I want to hire a D because a D is going to leave me hmm. because there's, you know, they're going to want to go and do it on their own and be the boss. And, my argument to that is not necessarily yep. D's. They don't, not every D wants to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, D's want to know that there is growth and opportunity and that they can continue on some sort of path. But, and so as long as you can be really in touch with that, that's a really important piece to think about. I would actually argue that's the case for all employees. Almost, almost this, the opportunity, like, no one wants oh, to have not a ceiling. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It can be for yep. all, for all personality, yeah, yeah. Pro but, you know, personality types. I'm a, you know, I'm not the majority owner. I am a minority owner of the company and I never left my boss. You know, it's been, I just had my 16 year anniversary yesterday. So, and I just had my 10 year yeah. with you and I'm a high I, high D, yep. you know, and I think that what has worked. Yeah. People, so again, people say things in their mind that aren't accurate. Uh, if you create a good environment that people feel like they can succeed, mm -hmm. that they feel like they're good at their job, that they feel like they're contributing, con contribution matters. People mm -hmm. have to understand what their piece is and how they're contributing to the bottom yeah. line. Um, people want to be in a relationship with their, with their uh, boss and with their company. They want to feel good about what the company is doing outside of mm -hmm. just the job. Uh, and yes, they want to be compensated or have opportunity to, to make more. Um, it's a bigger picture, right? I think what it comes down to though, is that that doesn't mean that somebody that used to make X at this other company in this other industry is worth the same at this new job I'm hiring for, right? So for example, if I, if you're, uh, if you're hiring, oh, it's, I might as well use the realtor example because I've already listed off lots of things mm -hmm. about it, right? So um, the older we get, the more entitled we think we are to our value. Like we're more attached to what I'm worth right mm -hmm. in our head. And it's not the case, not doing the same thing at the same company, right? Um, not necessarily. Okay. 
So, so the older we clerical, get, the more entitled we I, tend I, to get. Yeah, we start to we start to have these false <laughs> beliefs of what like. Unfortunately, uh, there's a reason why highly compensated people that lose their jobs in their fifties most often are not able to replace their income. They go I backwards. Mean, yes. Well, yeah, so they rode the train. They 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 made you know fifties, sixties, seventies. Now they made a hundred, hundred fifty thousand at a great paying job for 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just use that 150 number, okay? Let's say that they are the absolute best at their craft at that job and they're making 150. Are you telling me that I can't find three people for $50,000 each? That scares the shit out of me too. I mean, I it's, it's like- it's, All of us are replaceable. I and I think know, it's a, I know. I think it's a very healthy, healthy, <laughs> Mm-hmm. mentality to believe that you're replaceable. Well, in time because I think you'll work harder. Yes, and I ju- I feel like there's been a huge evolution or shift in this. Mm-hmm. Like I can remember um you know when growing up my dad was a, a corporate salesman mm-hmm. and you know we would if ever, if ever we would go traveling with him or or whatever and we were with all of his his mm-hmm. colleagues, it was all older right. men or women that have been in their craft and these mm-hmm. jobs for a very long time and they're very good yep. at what they do and they're highly compensated. And that you just don't really see anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know, I hate to like say Corpor- it's welcome just a to blanket. Corporate America, corporate I, America, like who's the first to go as you cut the fat? Middle management is the right. fat. Right. You know? And I I feel like that just it really there's been such a shift. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like you said, get the get two young guns in that with, tons of, ener- with tons that, of energy that don't know any better or right. different, which is my favorite thing about, about new, fresh, young people is that they just, if you don't tell them that this is hard or this is a lot of work or we're really busy, they don't have any freaking clue. Yep. They don't know any difference. Yep. And they're energized <laughs> and they've got yeah. youth on their side and they yeah. run, they run through walls to, yeah. to but they're, it, they're still going to prove, you know, uh, prove themselves to the world. Absolutely. Right? But anyway, it's just, it's, I feel like there's been a shift. Has there been a shift or does it just seem like uh, that? Well, maybe we're just getting older and we recognize I know that's like, you know, is that it, could is be it a real two. or is it just... Um I, I don't I, I do know that um you better be have the it's not about doing the best of your job, it's being the best of your job with a great attitude and continually growing to and gl- contri- and contributing at a higher level mm-hmm. as you go, right? So when I think in terms of you know, I'm pretty highly compensated, you know, in this spectrum of mm-hmm. the industry. And um, one thing I always think about is, you know, as a competitor, I want to have my best year ever as often as I can, mm-hmm. right? Like you you have a high water mark, you know, you can do that. Now you mm-hmm. want to try and beat that, whatever that looks like. Um, by the way, I measure that two ways. I want to do the same in less time or I want to make more with the same time, right? So there's two ways to measure it. I'm glad you clarified that. Um, it's a really big deal. Yeah, uh, I, I would totally I would totally be okay making one third less income if I could work less than 30 hours a week. There you go. Really? Tomorrow. To make, you'd make a third of what you're making. I would take a th- I'd get rid of my third of my income if I could, uh, no, no doubt about it, to work under 30 hours a week. Hmm. For sure, tomorrow. And, part-time. Right? So... <laughs> But uh, what? But the measuring point, if I think of okay, I'm I'm a minor, I'm a partner, right? Partnerships don't always make it. I uh, I'm accountable to other people. Is I've got to say I, I can't coast, right? Because I think that right. um, I think that what a lot of people do is they get really super entitled in their position. I've been here. I've I've already. I don't have to do that anymore. You know, I've already paid my way and all this stuff, and they stop doing for the company 
what it was that got them to their spot in the first place. Or and they, or they, they they've arrived. They feel like they've arrived. Or they haven't um, grown into a new skill set. Right. Um, and evolved with a position. That's right. So um, I think there's, I think that's a piece of it, right? Like, yeah, it's just it's staying in that growth mindset yeah. and and contributing more and more because uh, what it was to say, uh, Spider Man, right? Too much that's given, much is expected. Um, Spider Man says that. Well, yes, he does in the movie, <laughs> which also comes from the Bible. Uh, but too much that's given, much is expected, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and that's just the truth, you know. If 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 I expect to keep on making what I'm making or more. Then you know I better be leading by example. I mm-hmm. should be growing my brand and my team. I should be growing my company. I got to be recruiting for my company. I got to be coaching up the people that work in my company. I got to do all these extra things to yeah. justify it. And um, and there's a whole lot of hard workers at our company. A whole lot of them. And you know no one at the company will say that I, I do less than them. You know I, I yeah you're I, working I, your ass off. I work these my days. ass off, and and that's totally fine. And and you know I get compensated well for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the whole reason we brought this up is that when you're really getting into you know you've set that the metrics you've set the job duties you're really clear about what they're going to do now I've got to hire somebody um, that hiring process is is really pivotal I think in the success and outcome of of the position in general right mm-hmm. it becomes less than around the money at all if you can find the right person that's going to give you lift right yeah. like I think in terms of but if I hire the right person, if they really could do all this stuff, the the realtor, eighty percent of my workday is a waste of time. Needs to be done though. If I can hire somebody to do all this stuff for me, and I can go show four more people houses a week, I can pitch five more listings a month. Mm-hmm. You know, it's inconsequential what you're paying this person because as long as you but have one more deal. But, but the conversation is also assuming that they have the money. Right to pay them. So where does that? Where, where does you it come? start? Well, yeah, yeah where does you it have the reserves. From? Well, you start with reserves, right? You start with having reserves. It starts with that. You know, the P and L and personal and budget. We always talk about six months reserves, three months minimum, six to twelve months is a goal of reserves of your monthly expenses for business and personal. So I would say that if once you get to six months reserves, you're in a pretty safe spot. Um, six months reserves of all expenses at home and at work. You could including a new salary. Should you consider? Um, okay. Correct. So, well, no, not even that much. No, no. six months of so, where you are, because what's going to end up happening is you, you've got a period of time. What you don't want to do is hire prematurely where you don't have enough reserves, where um, if you don't get more money in the door through the mm-hmm. business in the first month or two, then it's a non-start and you have to get rid of them because there's just no money to pay for three months. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a, like when I hire somebody or position or add a new position or a new software, or do a podcast. Right. I mentally choose, I'm gonna do this for a year in hell or high water. Like I make the budget okay. for it, I'm gonna do it for a year, and then we'll readjust and evaluate um, because I wanna make sure there's enough time to get the the get the get bang for the buck and make sure we're getting the return on investment, the ROI. Which is so matters. big too. Um, we are all so quick to pull the plug on things. Oh yeah. Um, there's so when many it gets examples un- out of marketing. It, yeah. And when it gets uncomfortable because we're spending money on things <clears throat> and we're, in a, we are instant gratification <laughs> society. So if we're not seeing that return immediately, then it just, oh, yeah. it doesn't work and off it goes Let's when really what you're doing is 
throwing money down the drain. Yeah, it, it's even worse. It's that worse. You start. And then, it's of course, worse. you say it doesn't work. Um, I'll just give a thousand examples in, in three seconds. So uh, people buy pay-per-click ads, right? So right. they buy these pay-per-click ads for, through Facebook or whatever else. And um, they don't convert something in the first 30 days, so they stop doing it. Well, was it the pay-per-click ads or was it your lack of follow-up skills? Uh, or is it the fact that it just freaking started? <laughs> yeah, um, uh, mail outs, right? So mail outs are great, people yeah. will tell you that uh, that mailing two properties is you know gone with the dodo birds, except that I've got some really close personal friends that have been doing it for twenty years, and mm -hmm. the number one source of their business are mail outs, right? Absolutely. Um, so the average, uh, I think the average number of times you mail out is like 10 before yeah. somebody actually recognizes. Before that they can connect the dots. That it's you and that's, that's assuming that you're doing it uh, like every 30 days. Yeah, you know, you're, ten, not, ten you're not like, I'll do it once a quarter right. for, you know, I mean, that's like, right. they're so, never going to catch on. So to answer your question about the reserves, yes, you've got to put aside a, se a segment of business. And we hear the term, you got to invest in your business. Like mm -hmm. you got to make money to, you got to, you invest money to make money. Right. Um, and that's the truth. Uh, you know, you've got to segment off. It's not all return. You're building your business or you're using it like a cash cow. And either way is okay. But this goes back to what we're deciding we want the business to look like. Like if you are a sole proprietor of some sort selling whatever you're selling and it's giving you a revenue stream that you enjoy and that you love, then use it for what it is. It's a cash cow. If you are fine getting that 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 a month off that cash cow, then take good care of the cash cow. Mm -hmm. That is a fabulous business. It could be a $30,000 one. Yeah. You know, there's there's examples of that all over YouTube these days, right? Um, but at some point, if you say, okay, right, right, I use the example of I want to make either more money or save more time. Mm -hmm. Mine right now, you heard me loud and clear, I'd like more time. Yeah. So I hired two people this last week to help me do my job. Mm -hmm. which will take six to 18 months to train them up. Absolutely. But so it'll take 12 months of blowing money. That's the other right? thing too, is then you have the decision of, you know, okay, I've decided to hire. Now, do I hire a plug and play experienced person, which has its downfalls? It's great, yep. but there, you know, there's two sides of that coin. Or do I want brand new. someone fresh that I, I want can... somebody brand new that I can teach that has no bad habits. <clears throat> but we've but we've also gone we've been in both seasons. Mm -hmm. We've had well necessity sometimes requires season. Uh, absolutely, season and that's yeah. where we were. Um, you know, earlier this this year was we really can't we don't have the capacity to bring on a new a, a green person yep. because we don't have the ability to train, train them. them. Yep. You know, and so we have to. So I think that's anyways. It's just there's different ways to look at that as well is, yep. you know, what kind of person am I looking for? Um, and also that will play into how much you are going to be paying yep. for that person. That's too. right. Yeah. That's right. Um, uh, but that's the way I, I kind of look at it. I'm just trying to give. Uh, so let me ask you this. Yep. Then. So um, when thinking about, and let's just talk about investing in your business um, because it's fresh on our minds as we're going to invest in a new CRM, mm -hmm. a contact management system. Is there a, percentage is there like a rule of thumb of what you should in what amount of money you should invest use to invest yeah that's a great question so there's plenty of books uh that will give rule of thumbs about how much you spend it should spend on marketing as an example um investing your business is a gamble so let's talk about a war chest it's a good a, a war chest a war chest okay. it's something that's good to understand okay um as long as money is inside the company and you're not withdrawing the money out of the company yet, you're not paying 
income tax on it yet because it's invested within the company, right? Like you're reinvesting, earning, spending money to buy a CRM system that you get to write off so that 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 income is not income to you yet, right? Okay. Uh, it's offset by expenses within the company, right? So if I've got all this revenue, I get to subtract out whatever I'm spending on people and services and rents or whatever else, and whatever's left over that I distribute to myself, then I get I have to pay income tax on that rev on that income, right? Is there a percentage? Is there a general rule of thumb about that? Like nope. what you nope. should? No. Nope. Uh, or, uh, but this is this is the concept that people don't get, right? Okay. There's there's two two things you'll see most commonly, and they're the outliers and the extremes, and I think both are bad choices. Okay. The first school of thought is. Are we still on the war chest? Yep. Okay. The first school of thought is that. Um, I'm not going to withdraw anything. I'm starting off my business. I'm going to reinvest every dollar I make back into okay. the business to get it going as fast as possible. So okay? I'm not going to make anything. Not going to make anything. So this is a person that has just started, planned for entrepreneurship. They yep. are, they've saved, they're set, they're... They probably didn't save. They're probably on a shoestring budget and they are just truly pulling out enough to live mm. and that's it, to live. Mm. And they're investing every last dollar in their business to make it go. Okay, so good or bad thought. Uh, here's the deal. I appreciate and love entrepreneurial spirit. And there's a very high percentage chance that that company is not going to make it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, let's just say that that company, that restaurant, that bar makes it three years and they reinvest and they reinvest and they're reinvesting. Uh, I think that is a poor choice because at the end of the day, their last three years of, of potential gain in net worth, when the business finally did go bankrupt, they lost three years of income, right? Or four years of income. Right. Because they left yeah. it in there because they wanted to war chest it. Like I okay. need the money in the business to keep reinvesting the business, okay. right? Now, when it works out, then you know, you've know got better springboard because you can spend more money faster to make more money faster, which mm -hmm. you're reinvesting faster. And so there's not a company out there that went from you never heard of before to on the freaking Super Bowl in two years that didn't war chest, okay. use other people's money, reinvest their earnings back into it. You know, I'll give you an example. Uh, Rocket Mortgage, okay? So Rocket Mortgage is a fascinating example. Um, they're really great at marketing. That's all they're really great at. There's something called uh, One Day Certainty, which all banks have access to. Yeah. Uh, every single Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac kind of scenario, if you run a loan through an automated underwriting system, it tells you what limited documentation you need. Yeah. If it's super clean with 20% down and great credit scores, you need next to nothing. You know, it gets a paycheck, a bank statement or whatever else, very little documentation. They branded it and said, you click it, get a mortgage. Click it, get a mortgage, right? Yeah. Um, Rocket Mortgage literally, uh, um, as far as what their earnings are on loans, is in the bottom percentage of all banks out there as far as what they're actually earning. Like they make next to nothing like, compared to like, I would be afraid if my company made as little as they make per loan on their loans because they're spending all this money on marketing and marketing. Market. Now, it's a division of Quicken, isn't it? Uh, it is a uh, Rocket is Quicken. Yeah, it's it, Rocket. Rocket Mortgage is is so being is that touted a loss as a leader. Is that like a? I mean, no, no, it's not no? a loss leader because no? what they did, this genius, is marketing and branding uh, made their their capitals their market cap ridiculous where it just went public this last month and I think it opened at like 20 bucks a share and today it's at 30 really? uh, 30 bucks a share right I mean their market cap is a hundred times what 
a mortgage company's value is making as little profit as they make. Okay, it's a it's hundred times because everyone sees it, the branding and the marketing worked. And so people bought it and people are investing in it because mortgage companies make money right now when the rates are two. Interesting. Right? So my point is, is that they just reinvested, 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 mm-hmm. and it paid off big, right? So people that are chasing that as the end goal, awesome. The other in the spectrum is, is that they don't keep a war chest at all. There's people that they milk and bleed dry the company of every extra dollar. So if they have rev- revenue minus the few expenses that they've got, whatever's left, they literally put it in their bank account and they spend it uh, on their family, on their family, right? So is that a good idea? Not if you want your business to grow, right? Like your your or if you want to ever want to sell it or have yeah, a, absolutely, absolutely, I mean, because all the money is just gone. Um, but that's like using it like the cash cow, like you said earlier, which right? is fine. It's just, that's fine. That's if it's the, it, like uh, think of it like a, a lawn service company, right? Yeah. So they've got a hundred clients each paying two hundred fifty bucks a month for uh, mowing yard service. Awesome. They're just literally filling up gas cans, fixing lawnmowers mm-hmm. they want to, and then whatever's left over, they're keeping, keeping right? Yeah. But what they're not doing in that example is they're not buying a better, faster lawnmower. Right. They're yeah. not hiring uh, one or, or two people to pay half, you know, hundred bucks to of, on each of these yards for them to do the work. And now we can do mm-hmm. 300 yards instead of 100 yards because they're or not investing reinvesting. in some marketing if we're a new side of town, new right. area, new exactly neighborhood. Exactly right. Exactly right. Okay. So, um, so I believe that somewhere in the middle is probably right. You know, you you've got to invest in your, in your business if if you want to grow it consistently over time. You've got and reinvent yourself consistently over and time. So and so back to the question: Is there a number? Nope. No. So it's comfort. It's just comfort. Okay. It's comfort. This That's is just a, this is just a risk thing. Like how much risk are you willing to take? There are people that will gamble it all. You know they and how much their, you believe in the product or the, service that you're providing or right? that you're investing in. Like, you know, in this CRM yep. example, um, you know, how much do I truly believe in the fact that this is going to be an exponential, you know, differentiator in our growth or whatever. I don't know if I said that right, but yeah. Um, it's amazing to me how many people have great ideas that didn't get in front of the right person and they mm-hmm. kept on investing, investing, investing time and money, time, money, time, money, and it never got off the ground. And they put their uh, family at risk for it. Yeah. Like you know, they put their family at risk for it. So, you know, I've got a number of examples like that. that I don't want to really get into because I'm trying to omit personal information, yeah. things like that. But it's amazing to me how many people will do that because they are so in, they believe that their thing is the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to discourage people from doing that because I think that, you know, if you've got something that you really believe in and you're passionate about it, go for it. But, do I think that it's it's uh, if you're going to do it, you better have a really clear idea of P&Ls and personal family budgets P- first? Right. Yes, because it's not just about how smart of an engineer you are, how great of an IT person you are, how cool of a product builder, service seller mm-hmm. you are. You better have the finance piece behind it as well yeah. or have something that can help you with the finance piece. Have something that can help you, yeah, right. for sure. Because the last piece of this too is, you know, what's the ROI, which to me really helps you decide what you're going to, pay for something like pay for a person hiring wise or Mm -hmm. pay for a CRM system. What's the expected ROI? Because I do think that there's some pretty good guidance there for marketing in general that if you don't at least get 10 X on your money, at least an X, you shouldn't even consider it. Like that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. So if you spend a thousand bucks a month on whatever, you should get $10,000 a month out of it because we're still not considering the worst case scenario. Right. Um, I feel like that's big. I don't, I don't, I, I mean, 
I like well, it. I like that. Well, I, I feel like that's yeah. not something I've ever heard. So my guess is that people they are don't not about looking it. at it that way. No, 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 that's no. a really big. Uh, uh, what I'll commonly hear people say, especially in real estate, which is stupid, like mistake is, well, um, I made enough money off of last month's closings to pay for the service. I'm like, okay, cool. But you're not accounting for time. So I'll give you an example. Mm. People will pay for the coldest leads ever on the internet. Mm. And they, they wade through a mountain of 100 leads. Uh, that they're talking to and they have marginal follow-up and they talk to more and then they've got some that they're kind of on the hook and uh, they're paying an exorbitant amount of money for those pay-per-click leads and they finally close one deal and it, and it pays for last month's uh, bill or right, two months bill. Right. They're like, well, it's paying for itself. It's like, okay, cool. How many hours do you work on those 100 leads? Because did it, did it just pay for the marketing engine or did it pay for mm -hmm. the marketing engine in your time? Ugh, yeah. And that's where people miss it is uh, you've got to be focused on a 10x because there's other factors. And if it's not your time, is it wasting a lot of your team's time if you have a small team, right? Or small Which is also so dangerous and slippery too. Yep. When you have your, when you put your team in a position that they are spinning wheels and, yep. you super know, inefficient. It's, it's super inefficient. They can feel it. They know it. They yep. don't like it. It leads to burnout. Yep. I mean, yeah. Um. Okay. So, Let's talk through. Okay, so we decided that for for hiring, mm -hmm. a good place to start is to have that six months of re of reserve. Sure. Okay, so all expenses, um, and that does not include the new salary of right. Okay, so the so six a lot months. of people, it's you're you get to a point where it's it never quite gets there because you need that person to get you the next step. You know, right. I see that a lot, and I think that's a really hard. That's where that's that leap that is yeah. really hard. It's like I this know goes that back I need to this. you're gonna bet on yourself or not. Like I love that. That always gives me a, a nice kick in the ass, you know. Yeah. And I'm nervous about it. it's like, what am I doing? Why am I like? Why am I doubting myself? Yep. You know, like if you of would, if, if if you're not gonna bet on you, why the hell should you what get somebody should, else to bet on you? Yeah, absolutely, right? absolutely. Um, what what is the difference? Or let's talk through. There's um services and uh that you could use for transactional type stuff. So you just pay mm -hmm. pay for it once, outsource. I think it's a great idea. So, you know, how it's do a you... Great middle, it's a great middle step. So what you're talking about is uh, transactional-based fees, whether it be for marketing, whether it be for mm -hmm. transaction uh, closing stuff, if, whether it be for... That you only pay for when something happens. Yep. So it's, you know, we're not talking we're, we're out. This is not a true outsource altogether. That is the, the bill is going to be there every month, regardless. This is, um, be for easy example is a transaction coordinator on a real estate transaction. Sure. You pay when it closes. Yep. So, um, so it is outsourced. I mean, the, I mean, the, word, is. the word is still outsourced, it is, but, but it is not a fixed expense. Correct. So, yeah. so what we're talking about here is fixed versus variable expenses. And I like that for a while. Right. Um, it's a bridge in the gap, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't put you on the hook for um, for this big salary that you may or may not be ready for, um, and it's it it should be in alignment with what the value is. So I love that example because it, this will tie in perfectly with what we were talking about earlier. Um, so in real estate, so a lot of people that are listening to this had a assistant that quote unquote helped them with the transaction mm -hmm. when they bought real estate. What they the people listening probably don't know is that most of those assistants actually don't work for that agent. Okay. Right. So there's shared resources called transaction uh, transaction coordinators that will take a fee for service of four hundred bucks, five hundred bucks 
per closing. And their job is to manage the contract, follow all the protocols, get all the paperwork signed, uh, you know, get updates done, order inspections, I mean, all that stuff. Uh, earlier, you listed four things. Yeah, yeah that, you listed four things. That's, so, a whole, that's a whole bullet point. So it's a lot of stuff that they can do. And they represent themselves as, you know, an assistant to whatever realtor that mm-hmm. there was. But they they weren't, they did not work for them, right? It's a, you know, 1099 yeah. kind of service. And so the pros and cons are that it's a way to lift the lid um, as long as that time saved is used goes to. towards dollar productive activity, in my opinion. Like it's what you're doing with the time you're saving. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the difference of if you're going to grow the business. Because if you don't grow it, then you're going to do the same amount of business and make less, right? Yeah. So, um, and a lot of people aren't willing to do the, what's, you know, the, the thing that they like least is the prospecting. The thing they like least Absolutely. is the marketing. And so they start hiring. So they'd be off, better so, to to outsource the sales calls, right. and, and do the contract to close right. work, it, which is <laughs> again why a lot of those won't ever get off the ground, right? Um, but what it, what people miss is there's a point where it would be cheaper to have a full time staff person than it is to pay the transactions. It's also uh, a loss of uh, brand integrity. Uh, in control when you're outsourcing because yeah. that you you know there's 30 masters you know if there's one transaction associate closing 30 different deals for 30 different agents you know how are you differentiating yourself against all the other agents because yeah. it's the same if experience for all of them for all of them yeah, so that's a you're kind of stuck you're kind of stuck there but um, you know it's what and we've also now identified you know in writing contractually what it's worth to close one deal. Right, mm-hmm. so it's worth four hundred bucks to close a deal. So, mm-hmm. um, how many can one handle? Well, thirty. I've I've seen transaction coordinators handle 30, 40 mm-hmm. deals at a time. Uh, does that mean that that transaction coordinator is worth thirty times forty, or thirty times four hundred bucks? Thirty times four hundred. That's twelve thousand dollars. No. No, not you mean to no. hire like if you were to yeah. hire them onto the team. So a salary uh, transaction true, coordinator yeah. might be 40,000 bucks, right? 50,000 yeah. bucks. And now you've got a great consistent employee that all they do is take care of your deals mm-hmm. and you actually are saving money versus the outsourcing it because you were afraid to take on the expense what was costing you more that, but you didn't realize it because it's only $400 a transaction. Paid at closing. <laughs> right, paid at closing. So you never felt it. Never felt it, but yeah. it's better to, and if you didn't do a P&L, you didn't realize, you know, I have uh, one of an uh, old agent I used to work with was closing 25, 30 deals a month. We was still doing transaction coordination. And I was like, and you know who it is. Yeah. yeah and I was like, are you out of your damn mind? Yeah. Like hire three people full time. Yeah. And you'll have twice the service, uh, follow-up skills, all that stuff. And you'll pay at a half the cost of your And you get to it. customize the experience. Yes. Um, so really that one just, I, um, I like that you said it's a bridge and you know, it's not use a long-term it, solution, not a long-term solution. Um, unless again, going back to your goal is to stay the same and, the work same less hours. and you know, do a couple of deals a month or whatever it is. Um, so really the, the biggest thing there is just to make sure that you're constantly watching yep. the units closed per month and, and making sure that you're not crossing into the territory where it just doesn't make any sense at yep. all. Okay. Yep, which goes back to measuring and looking at numbers, which people hate awesome. to do. Um, we would love to hear your comments. So yep. if there's um, anything that you want to share with us uh, as a listener, please do. And make sure that you like and subscribe and tell your friends and yep. um, send us emails at sigmundsense at gmail.com. Next time, guys. Bye. Bye.